Okay, the Alliance give you a great chance to do this, because today I want to talk about something which I don't think we've heard a lot of. And it's about taking God seriously. It's part three in ten values that build a strong family. And we've been looking at the Ten Commandments. And the third commandment is summarized in one sentence. I love God's penchant for brevity and clarity. God says this, take my name seriously. Actually, on the lighter side of this, I was looking at Paul Dixon. He wrote a book called A Collector's Compendium of Rare, Unusual, Bold, Beautiful, Odd, and Whimsical Names. And he has a hobby, this guy, of collecting weirdo names, usually prophetic names, even some of them. In 1941, for example, there were two men who were executed in the electric chair in the Florida State Penitentiary. Their names were Wilburn and Frizzle. Recently, in your wife's country, there was a Montreal widow, a window washer, who died by accident. You know what his name was? Will drop. <laughs> Others, he seems to say in that book there, seem to have a destiny. In fact, I know a good guy who is a jib stopper. His name's, I literally know him, so does many of you. His name was John Warwick and Dean Warwick. He's also a, a jib stopper. Dan Druff became a barber in that book. <laughs> Jeff Treadwell became a podiatrist. Treadwell. And this one was a, this one's a classic in this book. Their last names were Go Forth and Ketchum. There were two guys who became police officers and partners. Go Forth and Ketchum. <laughs> O'Neill and Prey became partners in church equipment. <laughs> How about this? Ladies, would you go to a psychologist called Wonderfully Trembly? <laughs> or even worse, a gynecologist called Zoltan Overy. <laughs> Now, I would definitely not go to this guy, a urologist called Dr. P.P. Peters. <laughs> or another plaster contractor out of this book. His name was Will Crumble. Let's not, let's not employ him. What is in a name? What's in a name? We've sung about that today. A powerful, wonderful name. God says, there is a lot in my name. And in the third commandment here, if you have your Bibles, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 7, he says this. In fact, if you haven't got your Bible, which I'd encourage you to bring, Christians, if you're a Christian today, bring your Bible. I encourage you. For those of you who don't have a Bible, you can read on the screen. Let's read it together. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. In fact, even in the even in the disciples' prayer, it says, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed or holy, or to be reverenced, is your name. Now, why is God so specifically clear about the reverence due to his name? Well, God says, like you and I, your name represents three things, and so does his name. Three things. Number one is it represents your reputation then it represents your character, and then thirdly, it represents authority. Three things we're going to look at very quickly. First of all, it represents your reputation. I was having a discussion with my son this week, one of my sons, saying, as far as I'm concerned, 
I don't like that happening because it reflects on me. It was just something small. But he said, Dad, I never knew you felt so strongly about this. I I do. It reflects on my reputation if X, Y, and Z happens. You know, you often hear, he's got a good reputation or he's got a terrible reputation. Whether it be a tradie or whoever it is. For example, when I say a name like Hitler to you, there's a certain reputation that comes with him. Or Sir Edmund Hillary, different category of reputation. So your name can represent your character. And often you'll find in the Bible, when some life-changing thing happened in a person's life and character in the Bible, God gave them a new name. God moved and changed the name of Abraham to Abraham. And from Jacob to Israel. And from Simon, the foot-in-the-mouth guy, to Peter, the rock, Petros. Now, God would change their names because he said it represented about something that was changing in their character. Secondly, a name represents authority. Now, in America, our guys walk around packing with guns on their hips all the time. And sometimes they'll even say words like this, stop in the name of the law. Now, imagine if it said stop in the name of Mickey Mouse. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to that, Right? Well, because there's no authority behind that name, but the law has authority. It's also got a gun on its hip. God says, when you misuse my name, it's no small deal. Because you are defaming my name, you're defaming my reputation, you're defaming my character, and you are defaming my authority. So God says, let's not do that. Let's not use it flippantly. Now, when we think, though, I don't know about you, but when many people think about misusing God's name, what do we normally think of? Swearing, blaspheming, exactly. That's the generic term that most people think. But today I want to quickly look at five ways you can misuse God's name, and then I'm going to look at the positive side. Five ways first you can misuse God's name. Just briefly, you can use God's name to insult. You can use God's name to indulge. You can use God's name to intimidate. You can use it to even impress. I'm going to clarify that. And very often and sheepishly, we can often use it impulsively. So five ways we can misuse God's name. Number one, you can use God's name to insult. And that can be using profanity or swearing as an expression of of high degree, a high degree of irritation, right? Somebody once said, if swearing and cheating were crimes, then golf would be illegal. (laughs) Obviously nobody plays golf here. (laughs) Today though, movies typically don't sell if they're G-rated and there's no swearing in it. And books and magazines and TV are filled with expletives and profanity. Songs laced with explicit language. And swearing is a staple content of comedians, I've noticed. So why do people swear? Well, often it's a lack of emotional control. But I know many people do it to try and impress other people with their toughness. Hot stuff, you know. Anybody can swear, though. It takes zero intelligence to swear. It takes zero education to swear and it doesn't change anything but we do it on the other hand it takes maturity to discipline your speech 
especially if you're angry and you stub your toe or break it. Or some guy just cuts you off in traffic when there's hardly a beep beep. There's not much room in between you and the guy in front. But it does show your maturity and self-control by not swearing. So people use God's name often to insult and to express irritation. Secondly, they use God's name to indulge. We excuse ourselves and we blame God. I've heard this. We'd be, oh, I don't feel led to do X. Well, no, you've got lead in your pants is your problem. You're being lazy. I don't feel lead is often a big fat excuse for doing nothing. I don't feel that God wanted me to clean up the living room today. Or God gets blamed for so much. Well, I don't think God wants me to honor that contract. I've heard that. Or God doesn't want me to fulfill that business deal that I said I'd do, and now it's probably going to be, uh, I'm not going to make as much profit, so I won't do that. I don't think, I think God wants me to be happy. God wants me to do something different, so they just up and leave their partner. Or I prayed about it. What does that mean? You can use God to cover for yourself and indulge yourself. And God is not impressed because he says, I didn't say that. You're misquoting me. The Bible also says here in Leviticus 19.12, do not make a promise in my name if you do not intend to keep it. That includes marriage. Why? Look at the last part of that verse. That brings disgrace on my name. Some people borrow strength from God's name and use it as cover. That's wrong. And he says, don't do that. That brings dishonor on me because I never said that. Because I don't know about you, but often my kids, and we have a lot of debates, friendly debates, but they're fast and furious. Those of you who have sat around my dinner table know that. But often I'm saying, I did not say that. (laughs) I'm correcting what they think I said. And they've got some concept in their head. And God often says, I'm sure he says, Where did you get that from? I never said that. Third, using God's name to intimidate. Some people are pros at this. They'll use language like this and be careful. God told me this is what you should do. Whoa! God can talk to you. And he will talk to you. God, and there's another one, very careful. People use this. I had a gentleman who once came up to me and said, well, this is what God's told me to do. I said, thank you for your kind concern, but I believe that's your own expression of your own opinion. Sometimes you have to be strong because people will come up to you and say weird things. Like, God's told me you're supposed to lend me money. Well, he hasn't told me, buster. So until he tells me, uh -uh." (laughs) uh-uh. God says, that's misusing my name. Some people prey on people like that. Be strong in the Lord and trust him to speak to you. Spouses can do this in marriage. I prayed about this and I know God wants me to buy this house. Really? They can use it as intimidation. In a world, in our world, when people misrepresent something, they often call that, it falls under the term of forgery. Forgery is using somebody else's name to get what you want. And there are a lot of spiritual forgers in this world who misuse God's name by saying, God told me, and and you're supposed to say, what? 
It must be true. No. The Bible says test everything. Be good Bereans. Check first of all, does it line up with God's word? I would warn you about being careful about speaking for God. And one day my loving father in the faith said to me when I was much, much younger, he said, Ian, be careful how you, you invoke God and say, God said this. It may be more appropriate and humble to say, I think this is what the Lord may be saying. Rather than God said, see, the first one's emphatic, the second one's more humble. Be gentle with that. Number four. The fourth way we can misuse God's name is by trying to impress people. This is what this sounds like. Immature believers do this a lot, and insecure believers. They try to prove how spiritual they are by the jargon and the spiritual cliches that they use. In other words, the more I use Jesus in a sentence, the more spiritual I must be. Of course, you should praise God. But when you say that, when you use his name, be intentional and very respectful about it. Don't turn God into a cliche or Jesus into a cliche. You know, praise the Lord, hallelujah, blah, 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 Jesus, Jesus. My goodness. Titus 1.16 says, They claim to know God, but by their actions they deny him. So here's this contradiction going on. In other words, we're taking God's name when we claim to be committed to God, but we don't back it up with a godly lifestyle. If a guy says, I love the Lord, he's number one in my life. First question I ask him is, are you actively involved in ministry, in building up Jesus' bride, his church? No. Are you meeting with him every day? Oh, no. Are you reading your Bible and having a daily quiet time? No. Are you giving back to God? Are you tithing? Mm, No. Well, what does he actually mean to you then? Or is it just words? Number five. Using God's name impulsively. This is a really easy one to fall into. Me too. Mea culpa. This is one that many of us here fall into. When you use God's name conveniently as an expression of fear or anger or joy or amazement. When you use his name as, a, as a, an expression of surprise. Some of you... and. This is, because I was drilled to death on this by mother. This is not my one. I've got a different one I'll tell you about later. But if I, you know, I catch a five kilogram fish and it's, oh my, oof, G-O-D. Or Susie's pregnant, oh my Lord, I just split my pants, oh my. What are we doing here? When we say things like that, we're using God's name as an expression of effectively the same level as, whoa, far out. So the point is here, when we take God's name seriously, we don't use God's name and make it like an exclamation point. He says, don't use my name impulsively. Take it seriously. Now, what does... Impulsive means without thinking. 
Now, did you know this? Point of clarification. You can even worship God impulsively. What do you mean? You can misuse God's name in church. We can do it here today in church. Have you ever, for example, sung about Jesus with your mouth and your mind is miles away? That's doing it without thinking. That's an autopilot. Your heart's not there. You're going through the emotions. It's half-hearted. It's just routine. It's what you do. That's not what God wants. In the same way, my wife doesn't want me to love her or kiss her on autopilot. She wants my heart and my mind engaged in her, in the moment. God says this, these people worship me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. This is not a new problem, friends. This has been around, and God says, take me seriously. And when he says this, you know, you can even pray impulsively. He says here, when you pray, do not use a lot of meaningless words. Have you ever used that in habitual prayer? You know, you've got a standard prayer. Somebody asks you to pray, and you have a standard one off the top of your head. We've all done that. Me too. Or have you ever heard of a prayer prayer like this? Dear Jesus, we want to thank you, God, for the nice day, dear Lord. And Father, we thank you, God, for all that you do, Lord. Oh, my goodness. You don't have to use God's name every other word. In fact, if you do that, you're probably going to trivialize him. God says, you can talk directly to me. Rather than saying my name while trying to think of what to say next and use it as a filler. You can just stop. It's okay to stop. Just pause. Collect your thoughts. I don't know about you. I've been praying sometimes in autopilot. Not meaning to, but it just happens. Minds wander. And next minute, something inside of me has dragged me back and said, Hang on, listen to what you just prayed. I go, whoa. I say, sorry, Lord. I wasn't paying attention. And that's possible. I know, I know if it's possible for me. It's possible for you. You can just stop, collect your thoughts, because God understands silence. And that is something we have forgotten. The value of solitude and silence. He says again, when you pray, don't use a lot of meaningless words. Now we misuse the Lord's name many ways, other than swearing. And then we rationalize it, and we say things like that. Well, I didn't really mean it. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I've gotten in trouble, I've pulled out that phrase, I didn't really mean that. (laughs) How many of you ever said that? How many of you have ever said that? Okay, some of you, right. (laughs) When you say, I didn't really mean to use your word, your name flippantly, Lord. I didn't mean anything by it. God says to you and me, that's the point. My name's holy. Don't use it flippantly. That's what he means. 
It's so important that out of the top ten, it's number three. Number three. And God says this is serious business. In fact, so much so, he says in Exodus 27, the Lord, uh, I, the Lord, will punish anyone who misuses my name. When you swear or misuse God's name, you are offending the creator of the universe. And may I respectfully suggest that you offend somebody else instead of the creator of the universe. Why don't you go, oh, butter? <laughs> that will be better. Much better. So God says, don't trivialize. Don't disrespect my name. Why? Because it represents my character. It represents my reputation, and it represents my authority. It's just treated with awe. And if the truth be known now, and you're listening to the Holy Spirit, the fact is most of us in this room, if not all of us, should really bow and apologize to God. Because we probably didn't realize or forgotten how serious it actually is. In fact, let's do that. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin, encourages us to do the right thing and puts a desire within our heart to please you. God, you know our heart and we do want to please you. Would you this week especially put a guard at our mouths that we may think before we speak. We ask this in your powerful name Amen. Now, how can I use, we've looked at how we can use God's name wrongly, how can we use God's name correctly? Now, there are many verses show us the blessings for a person who honors rather than dishonors, who thinks about God's name respectfully rather than impulsively. God takes us seriously, so how do you do it? Number one, reverence, there's two RCs, reverence God's name continually. Is the first one. Reverence God's name continually. In other words, treat it with respect. The utmost respect. Use it lovingly. Use it carefully. Use it as an act of worship. So when you say God, you really mean it in your heart. Psalm 29 verse 2 encourages us to do this. It says, give the Lord the glory due his name. Give him the glory due his name. And that means honor God's name. This might sound very different, but that's okay. Kimberly and I have got up and walked out of movies. And not because somebody's getting too hot and steamy, although we don't go to those movies. We've got up because there were so many, um, so many misuses of the Lord's name, and God's name was just getting trashed in total. We just got up and walked out. Whatever goes into your mind will eventually come out in your lifestyle. For example, I noticed that when I used to work as a trucker, when I had my heavy truck license, 
every second word around the trucker rhymes with truck. And if you're not careful, it just pops out. Boom, 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 boom. So whatever goes into your mind eventually comes out in your lifestyle. And people say, oh, it doesn't bother me using God's name. It bothers God. And that should bother you. It ought to bother you if it bothers God. If you're on the same side. If my wife's name is being rubbished, or my mother's name is being ridiculed, I protest. I still do to this day. And I defend it. Would you sit in silence if your mother's name or your wife's name was being trashed? See, love demands an action. Many believers say nothing when Jesus' name is blasphemed. Nothing. I want to challenge you to speak up. When somebody close to you is misusing God's name. Now you, it's not easy to do it with strangers. I sometimes find this on a squash court. Somebody misses a shot and boy, out it comes. So I say, he's a friend of mine. And that's enough to, what? <laughs> they use the name of Jesus. I say, he's a friend of mine. And it, it's enough to give him often the hint, back off. And I think we need to do this around people. Even sometimes, I've found older Christians use the term O-G-O-D. That offends God and it offends me. There's no excuse for that. So what does this got to do with building strong families? Well, the number one place we need to work on our mouths is in our home. Would you agree? Because actually, probably more unkind things are said in the home than there are in many other, even workplace environments. Verbal abuse is causing irreparable damage to relationships. And we need to work on this in our home. You need to reverence God's name continually. And reverence involves not only protecting God's name, but knowing it. Do you know his name? You think, well, what does that mean? Read Psalm 9.10, right here. In fact, why don't we read that together? Psalm 9.10. Those who know your name will trust in you. Now, God has many names in the Bible, and each one reveals a separate attribute of his divine character. Love and justice and holiness, and he's a provider. And one way that you can get to know God is by understanding the names of God. If you only know one name, you won't know him very well. The better you know the names of God, the more you're going to love him and trust him and understand him. Because it defines aspects of his character and reputation and authority. Now when you get to know the names of God and reverence those names on a daily basis, there are benefits in your life. Because the Bible says here, you, God, have given me the blessings you reserve, set aside, for those who reverence your name. Who reverence your name. So reverence God's name continually is number one. Number two, represent God's name clearly. Represent God's name clearly. So what's he saying here? 
This is a very convicting verse in 2 Timothy 2.19. It says a person who calls himself a Christian should not be doing things that are wrong. A person who calls himself a Christian should not be doing things that are wrong. Did you know that our lifestyle can misuse the name of God? If you call yourself a believer, what he's saying there is act like one. Christians, don't bring the name of Christ into disrepute by your lifestyle. For instance, by your unfriendliness to your neighbors. By your stinginess. Not helping out, not doing your share when the neighbor decides to put a fence in and taking them to court to battle over who's paying for it. Whatever it may be. Your walk needs to match your talk. Otherwise, you bring the name of Christ into disrepute. If you're a believer, you represent God. That's scriptural. Now, there are two reasons why people don't come to Christ. Number one, they've never met a Christian. And number two, they've met one in name only. But there was zero difference in their lifestyle. They were still chasing the same things the world is. And the truth is, people are watching your speech and your actions very carefully. And they're trying to reconcile and checking, are you any different in your lifestyle than the people that they know? So guard your mouth and guard your actions. The Bible encourages here in Colossians 3, 7, whatever you do, that's whether it's IT, whether it's teaching, whether it's nursing, whether it's chefing, whether it's building, whatever you do, do it in the name of the Lord. In other words, do a good job as well. Good quality. No slapdash stuff. By the way, on this area, one of the big areas, that, and this is my weakness. After I came out of the tracking and the freezing works and different, I've done a lot of different jobs. I replaced swearing with Christian swearing. You know what Christian swearing sounds like? Shoot. That's Christian you know what it is. Four, same number of characters. Some people, I don't use this, but some people use Jiminy Cricket. What's that short for? Jesus Christ. Or Mary, mother of... So, I mean, they just package it differently. Or flip. That's a bad one for me. It's better than the other one, but it's not as good as where I want to get to. In fact, I will find myself sometimes when something's going on and I'll say something like, I'm going, Lord, help me to control my speech. Number three, rely on God's name completely. Rely on God's name completely. No wonder, um, Psalm 33, verse 21, no wonder we are happy in the Lord, we trust in his name. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because if I don't have any right to come to God on my own, and either do you. God is perfect and holy, and I am not, and either are you. The only perfect persons can come into God's presence. So I don't have a right to come on my own and say, God, this is what I need and I request. But through Jesus Christ, because of his finished work on Calvary, his death, his resurrection, 
and his ascension, which proves the sacrifice is acceptable to God, I can now come on his name. We don't come on our power, we come on God's power and on his grace. Now the bad news is, careful of this verse here, Matthew says you and I will give an account for every idle word that we speak. Where's that? Matthew 12, 36. I tell you, Jesus speaking, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. So it is a good time for us to honestly say, God, help me to get control of my speech. Because I don't want to be shooting off idle words. And that's more difficult for those of us who are quite expressive. Because words just come to our minds. Well, actually they don't. They go straight out the door sometimes without going through the mind. Now the good news is we can skip this judgment. How? By trusting in the name of Jesus, and he will forgive you. Acts 4.12 says this, Salvation, oh, this is good, is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There is an imperative there. The name of Jesus Christ is the only way you can bypass the judgment. And in John verse 20 verse 31 Jesus is the Christ the son of God and by believing you may have life in his name circle life a name you can pass from death into the life because the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior Romans 3 23 And the good news is you can pass from judgment into forgiveness in his name. And that's what you and I need because we've all broken this third command. Nobody would say that we haven't. It means that we're all in trouble unless we get a savior. And that's what Jesus is. I don't know about you, but my mother would stand for none of the sass around the home. And if anybody got lippy and especially swore, the standard treatment was what? Soap in the mouth. Yeah, you've had some too. (laughs) Now, that helped temporarily. (laughs) But it didn't change the heart. Because you'd still swear in your head. Just learn not to get it out because it was disgusting. So the problem is not in the mouth. That problem is actually in the heart because the Bible says from the abundance of the heart, the mouth confesses. It speaks. So the issue is inside. So whatever's inside, it's like toothpaste. Whatever's inside, when you squeeze it, when you're under pressure, it comes out. Somebody said, you know how, what a Christian's really like? It doesn't matter what they say. It's when you drop them in some hot water, like a tea bag. Then what's inside is going to come out. Jesus said here, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of in Luke 6.45. So the ultimate way to clean up your language is to have a change of heart. And Jesus can do that. That's the good news. The first thing you need to do, though, is to tell God that you're sorry and apologize for misusing his name. And tell him that you didn't realize actually how serious it was. And what you need to do is ask his forgiveness. And then you commit that problem and your life to God 
to give him the whole thing. You say, Jesus Christ, come in and forgive me for that, Lord. Give me a new heart and a new tongue. <laughs> Literally. And you begin to practice controlling what you allow into your mind. Some things you just don't listen to. You just don't go see and you just don't read. It is bad for your mind. In fact, that's one of the things my daughter wrote me a letter a little while ago. and said, Dad, thanks so much for protecting my mind as a, as, as a little girl and as a teenager. You remember that he is with you at all times. Now, why is that? Because if you're conscious of his presence, you're not likely to take his name in vain. The moment you lose consciousness of his presence, our mouths get a little loose. Because you and I are a lot more disciplined in our speech. For example, you wouldn't take somebody's name in vain if they're standing right next to you. If you were conscious of that. Ask him to help you. And you will. Let's pray. Would you follow me in this prayer and pray with me? And would you say and agree with me if you're a Christian? How majestic is your name? Father, I want to apologize for misusing your name. And would you tell Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the misuse of my mouth to defame you and to bring your name down to a nothing more than a cliche or a cuss word. I ask you to forgive me. And if you have a family where there are words that have been said that you regret, like most of us have experienced, would you say, God, help me and my family to watch our mouths. Create in me a clean heart and a new mouth and a new attitude. Friends, the Bible says that salvation is found only in the name of Jesus Christ. And if you have never called upon that name before, would you do that today? Because you don't stand a chance of making it into heaven without the help of God himself. Because we've all blown it. Would you say, Jesus Christ, I need you to forgive me and to be my Savior and Lord. And be the bridge by which I can enter heaven. I want to follow you for the rest of my life and be conscious of your presence in Jesus' powerful and matchless name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Pastor Ian.